Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today I'm going to continue with the homeopathy for autism series and During this episode, I'm going to talk about what to expect under homeopathic care for this condition. Um, And my goal for this episode is to help you help you see the potential of homeopathy for this condition, to help you understand the action of homeopathy, how should how should the organism react when the remedy is correct? And how might the organism respond if the remedy is incorrect? And um, what should you notice during homeopathic care? What what is what are some signs that hey this is moving in a positive direction? What are some signs that, that hey we have to let's go back and um, retake the case and and reassess? And it's my intent that this information is going to help you better understand how this medicine works, um, specifically with regard to autism, what, what's its mechanism of action, um, for approaching autism. So whether you are under homeopathic care, um, with yourself, maybe you as parents, or if if you are are an adult who struggles with autism, maybe you've been you know, dabbling with or using homeopathy for your condition, you know, hopefully this episode will help you to understand, hey, is this going in in a positive direction? Is this going in a clear direction? Or, you know, am I, is there something I need to course correct here? Um, Or if you're working with a homeopath, same thing. You know, I, it is my guess that by the end of this episode, you'll know more about homeopathy for autism than, than most homeopaths. The training around homeopathy in general, it's a little, could use some work. That said with a lot of love and potential, <laughs> but in honesty. Um, and then also for anyone considering, hey, should I reach out to Heather for support around autism for myself, my child? then this episode, um, I will likely say during our work together, hey, take a listen to, you know, the, the second series in the homeopath, in the, in this autism series, um, to get a better understanding of what's going on, why this is happening, and why it's either a positive sign or, hey, let's course correct and, and retake the case. So before I get into the episode, if you or your child struggles with autism, I do have a program available. It's a one-on-one individualized homeopathic care program where I work with you or your child for 12 months 
to help remove root causes of autistic behaviors, patterns, and help you or your child make real headway and forward progress towards improving this condition. Of course, I have to say that no, I cannot diagnose, treat, cure any disease or condition, right? Uh, but um, I just want to make that clear. Um, the authorities say I have to mention that. But um, I've had a lot of great success in using homeopathy to improve greatly or completely rectify um, autism. And you can learn more about my work, this program, by visiting my site, heathershepherd.com. Go to the homeopathy tab, and then you will see the autism tab there. Um, let's see. And I also want to mention, if you have yet to listen to the first episode of this series, I encourage you to do so to learn more about root causes of autism. What is a cure, a quote unquote curable case versus a, a, an incurable case? What does this look like? Um, and I also talk about in that episode, the role of genetic predisposition um, when it comes to this disorder. And I think this is something that's largely misunderstood. All these factors that um, set the stage that put autism in motion that that flip that flips that epigenetic signal from the off to the on position. Talk all about that in the first episode. Okay, let's get into what to expect when under homeopathic care for autism. And as I mentioned, this information is going to be helpful for anyone exploring homeopathy for overcoming this condition, um, or anybody currently under homeopathic care for this condition. So first, we have to understand that assuming the correct remedy has been administered, because let's just start with the easy one. If, the in, if an incorrect remedy has been administered, there won't be any change. See, in homeopathy, it's not like you can overdose. You can take an entire bottle uh, of the of pellets. In fact, I once, just, just this winter, I had a mom email me like, oh my gosh, Heather, my daughter just took this entire bottle of Cena. What do I do? And I was like, it's okay. She's going to be fine. Literally, this medicine, whether you take one pellet or an entire bottle, they both are equivalent to one dose. And I know that doesn't make sense in our linear minds, <laughs> but in our quantum biology, cells, body, and all the molecules in our body, it makes total sense. Um, so um, I want to mention that just right off the bat. If you are taking a remedy for, let's say, you, you don't just prescribe like autism. Great, here you go. Here's a remedy. That is not how this medicine works. You don't just, somebody walks in my practice and say, oh, my kid is autistic. I don't just say, okay, here you go. Here's 72 remedies or one remedy or five remedies and, you know, take it like this. That is absolutely an incorrect and uh, approach and way to use homeopathic medicine. That's how you can use homeopathic medicine and get zero results. And then say, oh my gosh, homeopathy doesn't work. I mean, it's it must be 
witchcraft because, you know, I mean, it's just some sugar pellets and it doesn't work. So it does work very effectively. However, we have to prescribe the correct remedy. If you prescribe an incorrect remedy, um, the behaviors will not change. The, the patterns will not change. You will see no change in the symptoms, okay? So that's really easy. That's the easy part if you know it's not working. If it's not, it's not working if there's no change in behavior, okay? So um, first and foremost, that, that's the easy one. Now, assuming you have chosen the correct remedy or your homeopath has chosen the correct remedy, then a very positive sign is that almost immediately after you give the remedy, I'm talking minutes to up to 24 to 48 hours, there should be a slight aggravation of symptoms. So let's say your child struggles with, um, let's see, a common one for, for autism. Let's say, I've seen this one often, let's say your child sometimes defecates in their room or somewhere in an, in, in an obviously inappropriate place. So um, no, they haven't done it in a while, but it's been a pattern and um, you give the remedy and the next day or you know that same day, the child defecates in their room. And you're like, what the heck? You know, they haven't done this in a month, two months, what's going on here? this actually would be a good sign. When there's a slight aggravation of symptoms, we always wanna see this. You cannot have a cure of any condition, a quote unquote cure of any condition, unless there's an, an initial aggravation of symptoms. But then following the aggravation, there is a noticeable amelioration of symptoms. So, now, the timeline for this is highly individualistic. It depends on each individual, each organism. For somebody, it may take 48 hours to see an amelioration. For someone else, it could take two weeks or three weeks. So it all depends, but we want to see at the very least an aggravation in the beginning, and by the eight-week mark of taking the remedy, you want to see an amelioration of symptoms. If you don't see an amelioration of symptoms by the eight-week mark, the remedy was incorrect. I talk all about this. How to detect? Is a remedy correct? What's the aggravation phase about? What's the amelioration phase about? What's the timeline for this in the Foundations of Homeopathy course that's up on my site? Um, but this is what you need to look for when approaching autism. We need to see this slight aggravation followed by an amelioration. Typically, and every case is unique and different, but typically I see an, a, a slight aggravation and an amelioration of symptoms within one week. Sometimes I've seen it happen within a three-week course, sometimes a six-week course. 
for the most part for this condition, for autism, it's been right around a week, maybe 10 days at the most. But every case is going to be different. Please understand that there's no exact rules. Nothing in nature is exact. There's no exact rules, but there are some guidelines. If you get to the eight week mark after you've taken the remedy and for autism, we don't want to be repeating the remedy unless somebody's on medication. And then that's going to influence what potency we use, um, how often we repeat. If somebody is not on medications, you do not want to be repeating the remedy. That is also a red flag if you're working with a homeopath or if you're doing homeopathy by yourself on your own. Like let's say you're a parent and you're administering it to your child to help with their uh, to help with autism, you do not want to be repeating the remedy on a daily basis unless somebody's on medication. And then if somebody is on pharmaceuticals, it greatly impacts the potency that one will use. So these are all very important factors that we have to consider when treating any condition, especially autism, because even getting the wrong potency can make it seem like the case is not moving forward or homeopathy isn't working, or there's no progress. So we have to be very specific and know what we're doing with regard to potency, when we repeat, when we do not repeat, and et cetera. So if the remedy is correct, there'll be an aggravation of symptoms, and without this aggravation, Remission, full recovery, quote unquote cure, whatever you want to call it, cannot occur. It literally cannot occur. So if your child or you are currently under homeopathic care for autism, you know the remedy is correct if there was an initial aggravation followed by an amelioration within an eight-week time frame after taking the remedy. Now, as I mentioned, I go into full detail as to why this reaction is so incredibly favorable, the aggravation followed by amelioration, um, why it's one of the very best signs of healing. It's a very positive prognosis when that happens. And I talk about this in my Foundations to Homeopathy course, which is on my site. But for time purposes of this podcast, I'm going to say that this is the key sign that the immune system is starting to strengthen and push out. It's starting to gain strength. It's starting to gain momentum with regard to pushing out root causes of, um, of this condition. And without this aggravation followed by amelioration, there, there's no touching upon the root causes of the disease. So if you have not witnessed this cycle this outcome with, uh, if you're a homeopath and you're working with, you're helping, you know, you're treating autism. If you haven't seen this um, series of, you know, aggravation, amelioration, the remedy is incorrect or the potency is wrong. Um, or if you're a parent and you're, you're using homeopathy, if you're working with a different homeopath, whatever it may be, if you do not see this, Okay, red flag, let's reassess. Let's course correct. So, um, let's see. Because this disease is so 
deeply acting. What I mean by that is it's like, you know, a, a cold with a sniffle and a runny nose isn't a very deep pathology. Autism is a very deep pathology. It affects the organism on a, in a deep way on the mental emotional layer, particularly. When a disease impacts the mental emotional layer in this deep of a way, this is gonna take time to rectify. This is going to take ongoing homeopathic support to help move this condition out of such a deep state. Now we can say the same thing for a condition like dementia or for a condition like phobias or a condition such as um, cancer, right? or a condition such as suicidal depression. These are deep, the, the pathology is deep, especially on the mental emotional level. And these kind of pathologies are very possible. There's huge potential with homeopathy for these conditions, but it takes time, consistency, correct prescribing. And of course, in the mainstream, they consider autism an incurable condition. And in the eyes of Western medicine, they consider it an incurable condition. And I talk about what's incurable versus curable cases of autism. Uh, incurable cases are kids, children who are born autistic. They're born without a chance. They're, they're born autistic. More quote unquote curable cases are the ones that develop after birth. And they typically are set into motion by a vaccine, steroid, an antibiotic, but most often a vaccine. Um, now, once you give the correct remedy, you're gonna see one of, and or two things happen, okay? So um, what you're gonna see is number one, the the initial behavior um and and usually in uh autism the initial behavior the, the behavior that that um the children or people are presenting with when they come to me when autism is this mental emotional disturbance okay and so what we're going to see after giving the correct remedy okay is number one, the initial behavior uh, on the mental emotional level is th there'll be the aggravation, there'll be the amelioration, but then what we're gonna see typically is the behavior symptoms will start to return, okay? So they'll, they'll start to creep back in. Why? Because the organism, the immune system is not strong enough to hold the treatment yet. It cannot hold it long-term. It's not capable of doing this quite yet. And so we use homeopathy to, it's basically like strengthening. If you go to the gym and you strengthen your muscles and you, you gradually work on this over time. With homeopathy, we often see in autism cases when there's correct prescribing, that, okay, there's an aggravation, there's an amelioration of symptoms, and then, well, some of the symptoms start to creep back in, 
okay? This is common and we have to know how to address these, this state when it happens to keep the ball moving in a forward direction. So if you see the initial behavior start to return, even after aggravation, amelioration, oh, they're doing wonderfully, so good. They're not defecating in the room anymore. You know, they're in a better mood. They're, they're, they seem a lot better, right? But then maybe, you know, some time will pass and, and is the amount of time that passes, again, this is very, very individual to each case. Two weeks could pass, a month could pass, five days could pass, and then we see the initial symptoms start coming back in. Now, under correct homeopathic care, these symptoms, the original symptoms, will eventually be removed. But the immune system and the organism has been so compromised and the pathology is so deep that it's going to take some time, you know, with the remedies, every time we administer a remedy, we're giving the immune system another boost, another boost. And we have to administer that remedy at the appropriate times and in the appropriate potency in order for that organism to finally get to a point. It'll get to a point where it will go, get over the hump. And that's where number two comes in. What we'll also see, if you know the remedies correct, is the development of an acute, a fever, an earache, a sore throat, a cold, maybe even a bloody nose, something of this nature, a migraine headache. If the acute is strong enough, okay, and what, what does this mean? Like the fever is at least 1013 or higher Fahrenheit. And we do not suppress the fever with allopathic meds, you know, and of course, sometimes you have to intervene and we know this, right? It's there if we need it. If we're able to let the fever manifest, develop, and not suppress it with allopathic medication, this is the breaking point. Then we often see huge improvements in the behavior after the fever, after the high fever. And this is when the behavior issues start to shift and the organism starts to strengthen and is able to hold the treatment, hold the all the homeopathic care. It got it over the, this first hump in improving the mental emotional symptoms. And typically after high fever, then that is when those changes in the mental emotional behavior will start to stick. Now, unless allopathic drugs or suppressives are used again, because if they're used again, very often I have seen, then we revert and the mental emotional behaviors and symptoms start to come back. So we wanna be really, really careful. Of course, we never wanna put a child or anybody's life in danger, but we want to tread these waters very carefully, knowing when to, you know, what we do in these situations, when the fever is high and when the behavior comes back and what does this mean? We have to be very aware of all of these nuances that, 
are necessary to understand to help this condition. Now, in many cases, especially at the beginning of, of uh, homeopathic care, the pathology has been running the show for so many years, for so long that the immune system, as I mentioned, it's going to need at least a few doses of the initial initially indicated remedy to help move it into a, a position to get high fever again. And we need to know again when to repeat and what potency do we use and so forth. Now, um, most, uh, most people don't understand this importance, why the immune system might do this. They just think if you give a remedy and there, first of all, they think you give a remedy and there's an aggravation, it's a bad sign. We've been totally brainwashed uh, with regard to how to think about healing and health and what's actually a good sign and what's actually, you know, a sign that maybe it's, it's not so great or that it's not getting to the root cause. You see, if there is, if there's no aggravation of symptoms, we can't get to a quote unquote cure. And if there's no amelioration of symptoms, then we know the initial remedy was incorrect. <clears throat> so this is why, you know, when people ask me, uh, Heather, why do I need to make a year commitment with you to help rectify autism? This is why, <laughs> because the cases are, are so unpredictable as to when do we repeat? What happens when somebody gets high fever? Um, what do I do then? How do I prevent this from reverting? Oh, my! the behavior symptoms have returned. Now what do I do? This is why, because these cases um, are, are very, and I don't, I, I, when I say chaotic, I mean chaotic in the sense that the immune system has been so suppressed and the neurological system and function has been so compromised as a result that it's going to take this organism um, time to recalibrate. It's going to be working very hard to recalibrate and overcome this condition. And so we need to understand and know what to do um, when symptoms arise, when symptoms go away, what are positive signs, what are signs that I repeat the remedy, what potency, et cetera. So in most cases, parents with autistic children either have no idea about the power of homeopathy for this condition and, and why would they, right? Because this information has been buried from the public for years. And I think I talked about that a little bit in the last episode with the Flexner Report in 1910 and how homeopathy used to be a core element of medical training. I'm talking about, we're talking big universities, universities that are considered Ivy League today and, you know, um, but since then, 
this information, no, forget it. Homeopathy's out, pharmaceuticals are in, more money, less, more profit, more money, see more people, more sickness, just keep the sickness cycle going. You know, so this information of, you know, how this medicine is capable of approaching autism has been completely buried. And anybody who attempts to claim otherwise, you know, there'll be consequences. So, or um, parents work with a homeopath and either the homeopath or the parents, um, they, you know, understanding the treatment of, of this condition from a root place, what does this really look like? You know, we really have to understand what this truly looks like. What does it look like to move towards a cure? What does it mean when there's an aggravation? What does it mean when there's an amelioration and down the road, a relapse, right? We have to understand how the organism acts. And we have to understand when we give a remedy as, as a homeopath, if you're a homeopath listening to this episode and you want to work with more autism or understand it or improve your, your healing outcomes with your clients, with your patients, then we have to understand this. We have to also understand in, in almost have an expectation, have an understanding of when you give this remedy, when I give Hasiamos to this person, what should I expect after giving that particular remedy, right? We have to understand how the organism is going to respond so we know what's coming. And so we're prepared for what's coming. And so we can also prepare the parents and the child for what's coming, what to expect. And this is what I'm hoping that this podcast helps to bring clarity around for both homeopaths and parents of autistic children or adults with autism, because knowledge is power and will help us all to achieve better healing outcomes for those struggling with autism. We have to understand all the moving parts, all the different responses of the remedy and what they mean. There's no aggravation. Forget it. There's no cure. So this condition, just like all chronic diseases, are caused by strong suppressive therapies. Of course, there's genetic predisposition in place. And that genetic predisposition, boom, it's activated with each suppressive. There's another suppressive and another and another vaccine, another vaccine. Today, there's 72 vaccines. Are you kidding me? Today, one in six, one in 16 boys develop autism. That's insane. In 2000, I believe it was, it was either one in 300 or one in 600. In 1950s, one in 10,000. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. And um, what it's, I'm going to tell you this, this statistic because it's absolutely incredible. When I saw this, I was like, how are they, how are they getting away with this in any way, shape, or form? Like, this is so obvious that it's criminal and people need to know this. And I actually put it, put some of these facts on my autism page um, on my site because 
many people that this information is not information that the CDC or the government wants you to know, you know, they don't want you to know that um, the amount of mercury in vaccines has absolutely skyrocketed, you know? Um, so, you know, since aluminum, mercury in vaccines, totally, totally skyrocketed, especially since 1986 when the Vaccine Act was passed. But what I wanted to mention, because anybody considering, should I vax my kids? Am I an anti-vaxxer? It's not like an anti-vaxxer. They make you feel like a criminal for being an anti-vaxxer. That language is absolutely, we, we need different language. It's not anti-vaxxer. It's no, I don't want to put poisonous shit into my kid. And I, I would rather that he or she get a fever and an epidemic diseases. We know kids who get epidemic diseases don't get chronic diseases later in life. So what are they doing with their current back schedule of 72 vaxes? And who that you know that number is just going to continue to go up. But what I wanted to share with you is something about the Hep B vaccination, which they if you give a if you give birth to a child in a hospital they are going to push this vax on you as soon as that baby pops out of the vagina and takes its first breath. They're going to want to um, swab it, clean it in a bath. For the God's sakes, all that bacteria on the kid, leave the kid alone, let him sit there and breastfeed and let the, the blood, you know, uh, pulse through the uh, umbilical cord. You know, do not cut the cord. Do not pump it with vaccine, uh, vaccines. Stop giving it vitamin K. And the and let the bacteria stay on the kid. This is how the, the gut microbiome is developing. This is how the immune system is developing. They want to take him and immediately put him in a bubble bath. Like, are you kidding me? This... And people think like, oh, it's so nice. Give him a little bubble bath and put a blue bow on him. You know, it's like, let the kid sit in the pile of blood and let the nutrients through the umbilicus go into his body. Wait at least 30 minutes to cut the cord. Forget, you know, the vaccines and the swabs and whatever else they want to do. But here's the thing, because the hep B vaccination is one that they will push on your child. They'll push all of them. But this one, from, you know, the minute the kid's out of the vagina, here, here they come with their needles. And, you know, we've got to really start protecting their health. You protect their health by doing none of that. And um, the Hep B vaccination contains some of the highest levels of mercury compared to other vaccines. First one the kid gets after he pops out of the womb. And this will just make this this statistic made my stomach hurt when I read it. Kids who receive this vaccination within the first 30 days of life have a 1,135% greater risk of developing autism. That is absolutely criminal. It's fucking criminal. That's not okay. DTAP also has really high levels of mercury. So these, these type of uh, very strong suppressives 
are what puts this disease, what activates the genetic predisposition and puts this disease into motion. So for real healing to occur, the immune system, immune system has to be revitalized and lifted of these suppressives. These aren't tiny little like suppressives. These are massive, huge cement bricks on the immune system. And this is why there's aggravation, amelioration, and then a reappearance of the of the mental emotional symptoms and this cycle continues and the um, the length and duration it continues varies de depending on each case until the organism is strong enough to hold where it develops that high fever and gets over gets over the hump wipes that that cement and that pile of bricks off of the immune system and by prescribing correct homeopathically we're eventually going to um, help shift this pathology from the mental emotional to the physical. Now, this is another thing. <laughs> this is another thing. Oh my gosh, my child, I, I can't believe it. They, they're not defecating in the corner anymore. They're, you know, they, they just look happier. Their behavior's better overall. They're more engaged, but they have an ear infection. You, if this happens, you should have a party like that is the absolute best sign that we will see because there will be a point as i mentioned when this fever eventually happens the pathology will shift from the mental emotional more so to the physical and this is a key sign that the pathology on that deep mental emotional level is now coming to the surface it's no longer deep in the body. It's no longer deeply impacting the neurological function. Now it's coming more towards the surface and affecting the physical body. And this is very promising. When this happens, somebody gets a fever and then has eczema so bad, that is the absolute best thing we could ask for. And then of course we approach the eczema. We don't just let these things sit around and like, oh, the work's done. No, but this is a huge milestone, a huge accomplishment. And um, so the disease has to come out. The pathology has to come out. It's not just like you take homeopathy and then poof, oh, my child's no longer autistic. See, we've been taught these things like, oh, you just give something and they'll feel magically better. Okay, um, sure, you know, you take something and they'll gradually get better but also we're really taught to keep things nice and in a bow and clean and neat and the child bathed in bubble baths as soon as he gets out of the vagina and all of that, right? We're taught all of that, but that's not real life. That's not nature. What we have to understand is that all the physical pathology that got suppressed before the mental emotional pathology developed for autism, moving the child into an autistic state, it's, and then the autism develops and we focus on the autism, right? Because we have to, we have to put out that fire before we get to the physical pathology. It's just, but once we put out that fire on the mental emotional level, and this also pertains to anybody who has um, any mental emotional pathology, Phobias, anxieties, suicidal depression, depression, 
um, dementia, memory loss, uh, sleeplessness. What came before has to return, but it cannot return until the mental emotional level is strengthened and healed and improved. So when this happens, we're gonna see the physical stuff resurface. And that's a very good sign. So, I feel like I've been sharing a lot with you guys today. <laughs> Getting into the depths. Um, so, what I call on, obviously, is homeopathy to help move the, the immune system out of the suppressed state. And in order for the immune system to move out of that suppressed state, you better believe you need an aggravation and then an amelioration. You have to have that in order for any condition, any chronic condition to improve, including autism. So... Um, diet isn't strong enough, but it can play a supportive role. It's not strong enough to bring the immune system out of this suppressed state caused by all the vaccinations and suppressives. Sunlight is not strong enough to bring the immune system out of this suppressed state, but it's absolutely brilliant and foundational to overall health and healing and neurological function and brain function. Can it bring the immune system out of this type of a suppressed state? No, but it can play a supportive role. Just like diet, it can play a supportive role. So um, we can say the same for EMF mitigation and indoor light environment, right? All of these things play a supportive role, but they're not strong enough to get down into, they can't, you can't go out in sunlight and then um, suddenly get high fever and go into, you know, or, or eat a diet and suddenly go in a, a healthy diet and suddenly get a high fever and then brings out eczema. It's just not powerful enough to, um, to act in this way, but they're very supportive in other ways. They definitely play supportive roles. So... You know, this is why I almost always include these modalities, diet, um, sunlight, a healthy light environment, and my homeopathy for autism program, um, because they play strong supportive roles. But utilizing correct homeopathic care, this is the, th these are the big guns that jumpstart the immune system, help it to move out of a suppressed state, a compromised state, and... Um, helps it to free the organism of all of those suppressives. And, and, and then the fever comes and they all start to come out. So in the next episode um, of this series, I'm going to discuss the duration of treatment for uh, using homeopathy for autism. How long should it take? How long might it take? What do you expect throughout this healing process over time? I know we touched upon that one a little bit here today but I'll really get into more about duration of treatment for this condition. See you next time.
Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips, you can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.